0: Have you ever had a time that you were feeling spiritually down, where you just felt like you were losing heart, or that you were feeling apathetic or indifferent towards the things of God, and then you were left wondering, how do I break free from this? Is there something I need to do? Is there somewhere I need to go? How can God bring revival to my heart? Let's talk about that today. Welcome to Deed and Truth. I'm your host, Tommy Morris, and today we're going to be talking about revivals and spiritual highs. Now, just last month was the one-year anniversary of the Asbury Revival up in Kentucky, and that created quite a stir on social media. There was a lot of back and forth, you know, people questioning, was it legit? Uh, Was it a real revival? Was God really involved? Was there really a move of the Holy Spirit, or was it just this emotional, experiential event, you know, that uh, was really just kind of stirred up by young people. You know, Was there a lasting impact for those who visited from across the nation? Was there a lasting impact in the local community there in Kentucky? Now, I'll have to say, first and foremost, I never went. I didn't go up there, so I can't speak from, from a firsthand uh, experience or observation of, of what it was like. Or you know what the 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 atmosphere was like. I didn't talk to anybody who went up there, so you know I haven't had a firsthand experience uh, or or testimony of how it impacted someone's life. But there was someone on on Twitter who had called around to all the churches in the local area just to ask if their churches had grown since the revival took place, and the person reported that there was not a single church that he contacted who was able to say that they had any church growth or or noticeable impact from the revival. And a lot of people took that to just mean that the revival wasn't real. Now, I know there were thousands of people who weren't from the local area, thousands of people from across the nation. I, I don't even know if there were international people who came or not, but I know thousands from across the U.S. went there. And so there's a lot more uh, as far as interviewing that would need to take place to really gauge whether or not there was an impact. Uh, But even still, you know, I think the thing that I want to focus on today is not going through a list of revivals and and talking about whether they were legit or not legit. I mean, I have some some thoughts that I may share on some of them. Uh, I didn't go to Asbury, but there are some that I'm going to bring up. Uh, here in just a bit that I did go to those. I, I was there. Uh, one, I went often, um, multiple, multiple times, and I'll share a little bit about that. But really what I want to talk about is our hearts as Christians when we think about revival and when we think about uh, these movements that happen and and where are our hearts? What are we truly seeking? That's really what I want to talk about. Now, first and foremost, we need to see that, that revival is talked about In scripture, you know, in Psalm 85, six, it says, will you not revive us again, that your people may rejoice in you. And Isaiah 57, 15 says, thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So here is this this look of someone who is broken, who is a contrite of heart. Um, There's an element of brokenness and humility there. And there's this promise of reviving uh, that person and and reviving their spirit. And so we we would probably do well to to think, okay, well, what do we mean by revival? Because I think that's the thing. Nowadays, terms mean so many different things to different people. Terms get hijacked by people. Uh, and then we find that we're, we're disagreeing on something when we don't even really have the same definition of it. And so some people may look at revival as just this movement where there's um, crying or a lot of kind of emotion to it. Others may define revival that there's signs and wonders and miraculous things happen. Others may, may look at revival and define it by how many people are coming to know the Lord, making professions of faith. And you know, it, it's important, I think, to to ask people when they talk about revival, like, what do you mean? How are you defining that so I, so I can know kind of how we're talking about this? Uh, but there are some some different definitions that I looked at when I I looked at some different people and, and kind of how they viewed revival and elements of it and, and the def, def, uh, definition of it. John Piper in an article for Desiring God said this. In the history of the church, the term revival in its most biblical sense has meant, a sovereign work of God in which the whole region of many churches, many Christians has been lifted out of spiritual indifference and worldliness into conviction of sin, earnest desires for more of Christ and his word, boldness and witness, purity of life, lots of conversions, joyful worship, renewed commitment to missions. Now that covers a lot. He's speaking a lot to kind of the the after effects and the fruit of, of revival. But I think the, the middle part there, it says that uh, Christians being lifted out of a, a place of spiritual indifference and worldliness. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good takeaway for what I would look at as revival. People who've, in their walk, kind of gotten stagnant, um, have, have become kind of downtrodden, you know, just maybe are kind of giving up or have been apathetic. And it's kind of reviving uh, that fire, that joy in the Lord and the joy of their salvation and, and kind of waking them up. And, and then there's that element of pulling them, you know, out of worldliness and walking back in the spirit, abiding in the spirit. Uh, so I think that's a good element. J.I. Packer uh, said this, uh, that revival is God's quickening visitation of his people, touching their hearts and deepening his work of grace in their lives. And then uh, Earl Cairns from the Evangelical Dictionary of World Missions uh, had this to say, the work of the Holy Spirit in restoring the people of God to a more vital spiritual life, witness and work by prayer and the word after repentance and crisis for their spiritual decline. So here again, we, we see this mention of a spiritual decline and being revived out of that. Uh, so it, it really is seemingly that it's that it's a a church, a, a body, a people who've kind of lost heart. You know, they they they've really lost lost their way, lost their focus. Their focus has. Has shifted away from God and onto to other things: their life, their worries, their troubles, or um, desires of the flesh, things of the world. Uh, but whatever it is, our focus and our hearts have shifted away from God and onto other things, and, and to to an element um, to, to idolatry, really, to to things that we are now placing above God and before God. And we, you know, we can see people who who kind of start to reach this a place where, where they spiritually just appear lifeless. You know, they really do. And, and then revival is God stirring their hearts, drawing them back to the father, you know, and, and that's a beautiful thing. And so we, you know, we see some great definitions from, from men uh, of God here on what revival is. We see in scripture uh, this cry out for revival in times uh, where there is uh, uh, brokenness and, and contrition of heart And so, so we know that revival is a good thing. You know, there are times where a a group of believers, they need a revival. They need to be stirred back up and the fire to be reignited. And then the question comes really then is, is what does that look like? You know, what does it look like in real time of the actual revival? What does it look like in the long run? And then how are we supposed to kind of, Uh, respond when there are multiple movements like this that kind of happen and they're uh, they're happening kind of close together or close proximity and, and all of that. So, but before we do that, let's, let's take a a look just real quick, just mentioning some of the the old revivals that have uh, taken place. This is definitely not an exhaustive list. This is just like, um, you know, four or five here that, that, that I looked at that were kind of impactful. Um, so definitely not all of them. Um, so if there's, there's one that, that is of fascination to you, you can leave that in the comments if I left it out. Uh, and, and I'm not speaking to again, whether or not I have any opinion on the legitimacy of these, you know, there's a lot of study that would have to go into each of these uh movements and these revivals to really talk about them in detail we're not going to do that today that's not the focus of this one maybe in a future episode I'll I'll go through and dig 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 deeper into the different revivals but uh, in the 1500s there was the reformation uh this was the the move away from uh the catholic church and to protestantism um uh, with uh, sola scriptura and salvation through uh by grace through faith in Christ alone and so that uh, sparked a, a huge huge revival and then a couple hundred years later in the mid 17 early to mid 1700s we saw the first great awakening and then uh, late 1700s into the early 1800s there was the second great awakening uh, and then we're going to you know kind of sk- uh, skip a century here going to 1906 there was the Welsh revival uh, and then from 1906 to 1915, there was the Azusa Street Revival uh, there in Southern California. And so those were some of the ones that I, I think are probably the most popular that people would talk about. Uh, there's definitely a much longer list uh, of ones that, that took place and, that you can look at. But uh, just to show that, you know, this idea of revival is definitely something that's been going on for for hundreds of years now, hundreds of years, for centuries now. Uh, there have been movements and revivals and things that have taken place where uh, entire cities have been shaken and, and things have have changed. And it, it's, uh, in a sense, kind of like the disciples when they went out, it's kind of turned the world upside down. right? And there's been uh, a lot of things that have come from that, a lot of stories of, of conversions and a lot of people who ended up getting saved and going on uh, to ministry from that. from from some of those movements. So uh, you can go back and study those, but then we have the more modern ones. Now, this is what I'm looking at. This is a list of ones that have kind of happened in my lifetime. I'd say like, uh, even though I don't want to kind of admit how old I am, these are ones that have have been over the last 30 years, which go from like my latter high school years uh, to more recently. And again, uh, not going to speak, to every single one and where I stand on whether I feel that they were legit or actual moves of God. Um, but I may, may comment on a couple of them, especially ones I've been to, uh, but the first one, you know, was man, probably my junior or senior year of high school. And that was the Toronto blessing is what it was called. And that was at the, at the time, I think was the Toronto airport vineyard church. They then later, uh, were no longer part of the vineyard, a group of churches but I'm not sure what they're called now uh, but at the time in, in 1994 it was called the Toronto Blessing and I actually went to that one uh, it was a, a snowy snowy night in Toronto Canada and a group uh, from Pennsylvania went up there to just kind of see what was going on and and so I do remember that one um, you can reach out to me I'll tell you my my personal Opinions on that one, especially uh, 30 years later, as I'm able able to reflect back and and think about some of the things that that happened and what I saw and then some of the things I I saw video of and read about afterwards. Um, Yeah, definitely have some opinions on that one. Uh, The second one is also one I've been to. It was from 1995 to 2000. That was the Brownsville Brownsville revival in Pensacola, Florida. Uh, I actually live just you know, one County over from there. Now I have since 2006, but uh, back then I lived uh, over in Tallahassee a few hours away and we would often make that three to three and a half hour trek over to Pensacola to go to the Brownsville revival services there. I mean, just tons of people. I mean, we would literally set up chairs and sit out on the sidewalk for hours before the service started. And just thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people would come to that uh, and there was actually a, a night where I actually was able to get up on stage and, and share something. And, uh, you know, looking back, uh, what I shared, it was not from God. I mean, it wasn't, um, it, it was from my flesh. It was, uh, emotional. It was from my, my flesh and my mind. Uh, so, you know, that was just me where I was at that time, uh, I can also share some things about that. I uh, may talk about a little bit here uh, when we kind of get into our hearts as Christians um, regarding regarding Brownsville. Uh, I know people who went there who um, it really sparked sparked them in their spiritual walk, and I, I know others where it was just a different a different outcome when they got home. Uh, but then after that was April, 1998 to October of 1998 was the Lakeland revival. This was Todd Bentley down in Lakeland, uh, Florida, again, my state. And, uh, I never went to this one and there were a lot of reasons why, but I knew people, there were people that I knew who went and they were inviting me and, you know, I'm hearing stories of this guy kicking people in the face and knocking their tooth out and like, you know, spear tackling him like he's Goldberg or something. And, and it just, a lot of that <laughs> it just bothered me. I just thought, man, that's, I just don't see that being God. I don't see the Holy Spirit leading someone to kick people in the teeth uh, as a means of healing. Like that, that's just ridiculous. And, you know, the response from people was, but but there's miracles happening, but there's signs and wonders. And And i just remember asking them you know is that is that what we're to judge uh things by by a sign and wonder is that what the bible tells us is the the standard uh to judge a move of god to judge whether or not the holy spirit is part of something um you know it's not there's nowhere in scripture that i can see that that signs and wonders are the end-all be-all proof that something is a move of god uh, so I never went. And then, you know, there were some really weird things with people who did go that happened when they got back. And then the whole controversy came out about him uh, in regards to uh, reports of him being drunk on stage while he was ministering. And then there was the infidelity, um, you know, that, that took place and him and his wife separating and him uh, then marrying uh, the nanny and a lot of things that just came out afterwards that uh, to me, you know, when, when you really think about the fruit of a ministry, there was a lot of just bad stuff that came out after that, that were, that was reported. And, and even for years, years and years later. uh, So I definitely have some strong opinions about the Lakeland revival and, and I would use the term revival, uh, In air quotes. And um, yeah, if you want to talk about that more, reach out. We can talk about it. Uh, Then there was one I didn't even really know about. Uh, It was in 2013. It was the uh, IHOP, Kansas City Student Awakening. My my brother actually ended up going to the school ministry there, like right after that happened. He's the one that told me about it. Uh, Now, IHOP has been in the news lately for other reasons, uh, but that was another one that apparently was a a big movement. My brother said that there was. some interesting things post awakening post movement. Um, but again, um, for another time, too much detail. Uh, and I would probably want him to speak more to it since he was there. Uh, and then, you know, more recently, you know, there's the Asbury outpouring. Now this wasn't the first one. There was uh, an out, uh, a revival or an outpouring what they called, uh, called it in the 1970 actually, where, uh, there was, uh, I believe from what I read, nonstop prayer and worship for 185 hours, 185 hours straight of prayer and worship. And then this past year from February, February 8th to February 24th of 2023 uh, was the more recent Asbury outpouring or revival. And so all of these movements you know, cause a lot of stir. You know, there are people who they hear, "Oh, signs and wonders are happening over here, or something's going on over here," and people are running to the altar, and so they they all, you know, I don't say they all, many thousands flock to those to those events, to those movements, and you know, I I remember Brownsville. I remember people pouring down to the altar, weeping. I remember people, you know, leaving drug paraphernalia and other things at the altar uh, that they had had in their pockets or they went out to their car and got them and came back and brought them and through and 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 would have people watch them throw it throw the stuff in the trash you know so i remember some pretty powerful things happening um but but you know you have something like that and and yeah thousands of people are going to come and and want to see like what's going on Uh, but but then i really and all of it, and and all the times of, of going to Toronto, going to Brownsville, of of talking to the people who went to Lakeland, and and then even more recently, this discussion about Asbury, it just made me think, like as Christians, like what what's our motivation? Where are where where are our hearts when it comes to you know running after these these events, these movements, and, and what is our Thought process behind it, and then how do we view God and the Holy Spirit on an everyday basis? I think those are those are some things, you know. So first, first, let me say this: you know, marks of a true revival. These are some things I think that if if a movement is is true and and is there, the Holy Spirit is really involved and God is really moving in in hearts, then I think post post outpouring, post awakening, post revival, post whatever the movement. Or event is uh, there are some things that you're going to see in people's lives, and one uh, one thing I think we have to remember is the fruit reveals the root. My dad has said that for years, right? The fruit reveals the root, and so I, I I think that's part of it. Now I I think we have to be careful, right? Because when you when you're talking about thousands of people from all over the nation, or even from all over the world, attending something, uh, we can't we can't judge any one thing by this one person's fruit over here. Uh, that would be like meeting someone who attends a church who's not walking in the fruit of the spirit. And then we judge that entire church based on that one person we met. So I do think we have to be careful here. I think we we need to look at an overall uh, bearing of fruit from the movement. Uh, a lot of times I'd say, look at the leaders. You know, if you kind of see things that have happened you know, shortly after or within a year or two of that movement within the the people who were really the leaders of the movement, again, like Todd Bentley, uh, that I think that that fruit that you see there can really reveal some about the root of, of the movement and where people's hearts really were and, and what was going on. And so I think that's uh, an important thing to remember it's it's we're, we're told to judge things by their fruit not by signs and wonders not by miracles not by uh, emotional responses not by how many people uh, drop at the altar and cry the, you know the question is are people are people's lives different so we're going to get into that so so the first thing I, I think in regards to the fruit of a revival is there's repentance you know, we, we looked at that in a lot of the definitions when revival comes when uh, not just when we want, uh, some excitement revival comes when our hearts are in a place of apathy or indifference and, and we're, we're, we're downcast and we're, we're just really needing to be lifted up and, and to be, uh, uh, to be brought back up into a place of, 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 of liveliness, right? Like we've kind of gotten to a place where we appear lifeless. We, you know, we're, we're just down, you know, down in the dumps and revival helps to, to just stir us back up and to raise us back up. And in that um, there are confession, confession of sin. There's, there is confession of sin and there was a repentance and a turning away from sin and a turning to God, turning away from sin and turning our hearts back to God. So I think that uh, is one key element of revival. You're you're going to see people who are repenting and crying out in sorrow over their sin and are broken over their sin. Uh, the second thing is change. Like this is the thing that that may take some time to see. You know, it may. It may be that we we have to wait a year and really see the lives of those who were a part of something and see like, was all of it impactful? You know, the question isn't, did you run down to the altar and drop to the altar and cry? the The question is, did you get up different? Did you get up from the altar? Did you walk out of there changed? You know, true revival is about a heart that is changed, not a heart that is just stirred emotionally. Uh, there have to be changes in mindsets, changes in behaviors as we walk out the fruit of repentance. And in this, uh, Revival Breeds commitment. You know, we're running a race. We're told to run a race with endurance. And there's a commitment that is involved there to, to persevere. And I think that's one of the things. Like, it's not just this fleeting change that, like, you see for a moment. You know, this is, this is a lasting change, like something that that there is endurance behind. You know, you think about the the parable of the soils and the one, it says they received the word with with joy, with excitement. And and a shoot sprout up, but it never bore fruit and it never took root. So there was this emotional response to the message that never actually took root. And so then when the trials of life came, when persecution came, it withered and died. You know the 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 sun beat down on it representing all of those hard times and trials and persecution and it didn't make it. And a lot of times that's what we see in revival. We see this quick emotional uh response to something uh, but there's nothing that actually takes root and so then in the long run there's actually no no fruit that is born from that. And so we we need to look at that that it that, that it will breed commitment. It'll bring change and commitment. It'll it'll also bring holiness. So think about uh, in 2 Kings with King Josiah, the discovery of the word of God. There was some very obvious and drastic changes that took place after that. So this is not emotionalism. It's not a fleeting euphoria that quickly fades after we get home. This is something that brings about commitment and change in our lives as we repent and turn our hearts away from sin, away from the world and back to God. Another thing that I think true revival should should bring is a hunger uh, for the Word of God. It should make us want to to dig into the Bible. When we leave, we we leave a movement or or, or experience something like this or we are we are involved in something like this. It should leave us with this just, just extreme hunger to to know God and to know who He is, and this means that that we're going to spend a lot more time in prayer and we're going to spend a lot more time in His Word. If we leave something like this with zero increased desire for God's Word, then can we truly say we're hungry for God, or are we just hungry for an experience? That's that's what I would question there. Uh, again. King Josiah and second Kings, uh, the change was brought about because there was a discovery of the word of God. And as they started reading it, um, they realized that they needed to repent and change. And it was the word of God that, that brought about that change. So there should be a hunger uh, for this. Now, this isn't just a hunger and a desire for knowledge, not just to, to leave and go, well, I'm going to read more because I want to uh, puff myself up. With knowledge, no, it's a desire for truth. It's a desire to know truth. Now, another thing that I think revival should bring is a is a fear of the Lord. Like in all honesty, if if we are experiencing true revival, it should look like Isaiah chapter six, when the presence of God came in, and Isaiah fell to his face in humility and and in, in recognizing who God is and who He is, and he fell down. In, in the fear of the Lord, and, and what that is is awe and reverence, an awe and a reverence for who God is and the fact that he is a holy God. Proverbs tells us that the fear of the Lord, this awe and reverence of who God is, that's the beginning of wisdom. And that should be a, a fruit of true revival of us just seeing God for who he is and, and just how uh, magnificent he is and in his holiness. And that should create in us an awe and reverence for him. And in that, a humility. Like, I think that that when we experience this, it's not walking away in pride, that I'm more spiritual than somebody else because I experienced this and you didn't. No, there should actually be a heart of humility that that comes out of this because revival is not about us. The fact that we even need revival should make it clear that it's not about us, it's about him. It's about turning our hearts back to him, turning our eyes and our minds and our 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 desires back to him. And so that should lead us to humility. Now the Christian walk it's a it's a run of endurance we're called to persevere and my my concern with revivalism and what i look at as spiritual highs those who see these movements and then it's it's not about revival and then and then taking the, these things and walking them out on a daily basis and looking how of how to persevere and to walk with endurance it really Um, there's a group who really treat these movements like, like addiction. And it's, I need to go get my next high. I need to. And that's why I, I title this revivals and spiritual highs, because there are people who treat revivals like an addiction. And it's like, we, we have to jump from one experience to the next experience from one emotional high to the next emotional high. Because if we don't, if we don't keep getting that fix, then we start to fade. We go through withdrawals. We start to, to give up quickly. And, and the more and more we chase the high, the more and more we need it, the more often we need it, because we're not actually living a Christian life that is sustaining us. We're not abiding in, in Christ. We're not walking in the Spirit in a way that sustains us through everyday life. And so we're needing to chase these highs and experience this, this euphoria that stirs up our motion emotions so we can keep going. And if we don't get an emotional stirring, then we start to fade quickly like a shooting star just fizzling out. And that's not what the Christian walk is about. The Christian walk is not about chasing highs. It's not about treating Christianity like some addiction you know, and the Holy Spirit's our dealer, and we have to keep running uh, to these events to get to get our fix. That's not what the Christian walk is about. Our emotions are to come under the rule and reign of the Holy Spirit. We're not to be led by our emotions. Our emotions are not to lead us. And and life is not about experiences. Christianity is experiential. Yes. When you get saved, that there is an experience there. And you can speak to that. There's a story. And so walking out our Christian walk and all the things that God does in our life, yes, it is experiential. And yes, there are emotions. There are emotions that, that come with that. There are emotions that are byproducts of the experiences that we have. But we are not to treasure the experience and the emotions more than we treasure Christ. We are to treasure Christ above all things. This goes back to worshiping uh, creation over the creator or worshiping uh, the gift over the gift giver. Ultimately, it is God who should first and foremost be our heart's desire. And so that's what I want to encourage people. in. you know, again, if someone wants to reach out, we can have conversations about the different revivals, about the different movements um, things you may disagree with me on, or concerns that you may have, or questions you may have—that's fine. We can have those conversations. But the big takeaway today that I want you to have is: Where is my heart when it comes to seeking revival? Am I am I really wanting for God to to restore my heart back to Him, to restore the joy of my salvation, so I can keep running the race with endurance? Or am I just seeking the next? High, so I can feel good. Is that all I'm seeking, the stuff, or am I seeking Him? That's the question I want to have for you today. So again, if you have questions, you can 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 reach us on our website. Um, you can reach us at the dot com or d a t pod dot Either one will go to the same website. There are options there where you can message us and 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 just ask questions or share your comments about this. Uh, we're on social media as well. So if you want to hit us up on uh, Facebook, Twitter, uh, Instagram, any of those and messages, you can do that as well. And, you know, we, we just want to thank you for, for watching this, for engaging with us. I hope that, that you are challenged, that you're encouraged and that you walk away from this, just more hungry uh, for Christ and, and with a stronger desire to treasure him in your life. So in closing, I just want to encourage you uh, to, to walk out the gospel as we think about deed and truth, and just to love God, to love people, and to love truth.